Welcome to the Time for You podcast with Erin Woodruff, episode 60. My name is Erin, and my goal is to help you find time for yourself. Life gets busy, and we tend to lose ourselves in the mix of marriage, motherhood, and everything else. Let's rediscover your passions and make some time for you. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to a new week and happy Memorial Day to everyone who's celebrating today. Hopefully you have a great long weekend. I am really excited for today's interview. I chatted with Avery Thatcher. Avery is a former ICU nurse. And while she was a nurse, Avery noticed that the majority of the reasons why adults found themselves in the ICU were because of illnesses and diseases that could be linked to chronic stress. So she made the decision to get out of the reactive side of medicine and now helps highly sensitive high achievers recover from burnout and learn how to work with their energy rather than against it. This was such a fun interview for me to have with Avery. We talk about burnout recovery. We talk about the three core fears that we have and so much more. We really dive into how to see chronic stress manifesting in your life and what to do about it when things start looking gloomy and some good ideas that you can start applying right now to help you move into a more calm space and to work with your energy rather than against it. So enjoy this conversation with Avery Thatcher. Welcome back to the show, everyone, and welcome, Avery. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Avery, will you introduce yourself to my audience? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Erin, and I am so excited to be here. So I... I am Avery Thatcher. I am the CEO and founder of the Flow State and the Truth About Burnout podcast. And really, my journey started as a registered nurse. I started my career, oh, when was it? 20, no, yeah, 2011. And I had worked for a couple of years in an ICU and I'd worked in both an adult and a pediatric ICU. And I noticed really quickly that the adults were in the ICU because of illnesses and diseases that could be linked to chronic stress. A lot of them were anyway. So I decided to get out of that reactive side of medicine and really start helping people prevent the physical manifestation of burnout, really, because having people in the ICU is not anywhere you really want to be. It's hard on the person, hard on the family. So if I could keep people out of that experience, I'm all for it. That's, that's awesome. So are you a practicing nurse right now? So actually, this is the first year that I chose not to renew my license. So I, uh, at the end of 2018 is when I was making the decision to go full time in this business. And so I was no longer doing any hospital nursing. And it was actually a couple of months after I made that decision, and I was working towards my exit strategy, that I myself got really sick. And it changed so much, literally overnight, and it really led me to reevaluate some of the things that I was learning and teaching. Because Mm -hmm. at the time, I was like, you know, everybody needs to practice mindfulness and meditation and do yoga and make sure you're doing your self-care and all of the things. And I was doing all of those, and I still burnt out hard. So I was like, 
there's a missing puzzle piece here. Let's figure that out. So it was sort of in 2018 that I started to dig into that a little bit more, figured out that missing piece. And then it's been a wonderful journey ever since. Yeah. So what has that journey been like since 2018? Uh, a little bit of a mixed bag, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So the moving into this kind of work and really focusing in on it full time, I am so grateful for that. It has been such a transformative experience for me, for my partner, for our families, and also, of course, for the people that I'm helping. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I... Again, as I mentioned at the end of 2018, I got very sick and it was about 18 months later that I was finally diagnosed with a chronic illness and a physical disability. And I realized I was never going to be able to go back to that person that I was before that even though I thought I would maybe stay on as a casual nurse working Mm -hmm. in hospitals, that was never going to be a possibility again. And so there was a lot of healing that I had to do in there, a lot of grief, uh, grieving the life that I thought I would have and grieving the loss of the person that I used to be and really working on moving forward to that. And that's actually why my brand, my website, and all of my social media channels are becoming Avery because I wasn't born Avery. I lived 37 years of my life as Heather. And I decided when this huge health shift happened, that I needed a fresh start. I couldn't wow. be Heather anymore. So searched through a gazillion bit baby name blogs, found the <laughs> name Avery and was like, yep, that's it. And when I decided to make wow. that change, a lot of the stress and anxiety shifted, a lot of my mindset around uh, nutrition, how I saw my body, how I saw my life, all of that shifted. My PTSD dreams stopped. There was so much that shifted when I decided hey, I need this clean slate. Wow, that is incredible. I truly believe in fresh starts so much. So I can imagine how liberating that was for you. Yeah, liberating and scary AF. If I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. My first thought was, How did your family react when you decided to change your name and essentially change who you were? So it surprised me how much everybody embraced it. And so I think a lot of that came from a little bit of vulnerability on my side, sharing more of what exactly I was struggling with, not just showing up to family dinner and be like, yeah, call me Avery now. Mm -hmm. I gave them more of the inside look into what was going on. Yeah. Um, And then I think also a big piece of it is sort of the the conversation that's happening in society right now, looking into making it more normal to share your pronouns when you introduce Mm -hmm. yourself and having more of that identity being in flux for some. I think some of that has also helped with the conversation, but I will be honest, I was shaking like a leaf when I was trying to tell my parents. It was like, you can hear it in my voice was shaking so, so terribly. But um, they both said, okay, like, I don't know if I understand it, but okay. Yeah. And here we are. I mean, nobody's perfect with it. Mm -hmm. Because it's hard. I've been for 37 years to them. Exactly. For me, but yeah. the the effort that they've put into making that shift has just been really reassuring. Yeah, because it 
I I can only imagine it hasn't been easy for any of you, that shift, including you, because something I talk about with my clients and on the podcast many times is being able to let the former parts of you go when you are moving into a new version of yourself. And sometimes that's a name change. Sometimes that's just breaking a bad habit, whatever it looks like. And it's not easy. So that's really incredible. Thank you for sharing. Well, thank you for holding space for it. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's so incredible. I think conversations like this can be very beneficial for so many people. So thank you for being willing and vulnerable to share. And what was, well, if you don't mind me asking, what were some of your physical symptoms of that chronic stress that manifested in 2018? Absolutely. So these are all the red flags that I can look back and see. And sometimes hindsight's a jerk. And those red flags were like, pointed at you, right? Uh-huh. Rather than like to the sides, so you couldn't see them because it was like the skinny side. So yeah, yeah. hindsight being the jerk that it is, I can look back and see. Um, I was getting more short and irritable with the people that I was working with. Unfortunately, the ICU that I was working with at the time uh, was a very toxic work environment. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of high school level politics that was happening between all of these adults that were meant to be a team, not fighting against each other. And so I had avoided some of the politics by only working night shifts, but then I was really distancing myself from everybody. I was cutting people out and like holding everybody at arm's length. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really wasn't sleeping very well, which is saying something when you're used to shift work and not sleeping super well. Yeah. I really found it hard to just to get moving. Like I almost needed a pep talk to get up off the couch to like, go get myself a drink of water. And it was all of those little things where it kind of felt numb. Like I was just going through the motions of life without actually embracing the wonder and awe that there is to offer. Mm -hmm. So for me, those were some of my big warning signs. Uh, Other people that I've chatted with that see burnout really happening to them. We can see it manifesting as like an extreme stress response. So a lot of digestive issues typically show up with burnout because when our body's in chronic stress, we're prioritizing what we need the most, which is really not digesting that cheeseburger. Because if you think about it, if you're running away from a bear, whatever you had for lunch, not a priority. We're trying to give your muscles the chance to get you to safety. So exactly. Yeah, a lot of digestive problems in there. Uh, It was really hard to do some critical thinking because, again, when you're running away from a bear, you're not going to be solving some complex math problem. You're going to be looking for a safe place to go hide. So Mm -hmm. we lose access to that prefrontal cortex part of our brain when we're Mm -hmm. in this chronic stress, early burnout phase. Mm -hmm. So when people feel like they can't find words, can't remember where they left their keys, uh, struggle to see the obvious that somebody else can point out to you. Those are also some early signs of burnout. And then of course, anxiety, heart racing, higher blood pressure, this sort of feeling like you're forgetting something all the time. Those Mm -hmm. are some other common signs. Okay. And going along with this, and maybe even a little bit further, when you were an ICU nurse and you saw those adults coming in with all sorts of problems, I can imagine, what were some of the common things that you were witnessing as a nurse? So in the ICU that I was in, there was two different sections. There was a trauma mm-hmm. neuroburns unit. And so those were all of the accidents, the oopsies that people yeah. ended up in the ICU for. 
Uh, some of them were still maybe stress related, but a lot of them in the medical side were heart attacks, were strokes. Uh, wow. Sometimes we can see extreme forms of cancer. And it's not necessarily that stress causes cancer, but stress leads to behaviors that can perpetuate cells that maybe would lead to cancer. So we saw a lot of those. Those were the vast majority of people that were on the medical side. Wow. That is so crazy. Cause I feel like I could just ask you about every single one of your patients and just really dive into the things you learned about them, why they were there and whatnot. Was there ever like one common or a few common threads? You've mentioned a few, but just like overworking or maybe diet things that kind of overlapped that was a common factor? Yeah, absolutely. So the people that I chatted with the most and learned the most about for the reasons that they ended up in the ICU uh, were often those high achieving people pleasers. So their family would be like, oh, this is just so devastating. Like she was always there for everybody. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. And you're like, well, there's there's one sign for maybe why you're this sick is because you don't have those boundaries. You don't know how to prioritize yourself. And if we're being honest, society teaches us to deprioritize ourselves at a fairly early age. Yes. So it takes a lot of relearning to be able mm-hmm. to find the balance in there. So yeah, people pleasers were the common thread that ran through the majority of the people that were in there. That is wild. The high achieving people pleasers. I like that, you know, four words together. Cause I think I know a lot of those people, as you said that I was like, wow, I know them, 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 them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's wild. Is, yeah. Sorry. Like a lot of us can list a huge number of these people because they're always there for you. Yeah. They'll come out of the woodwork when you need anything. So yeah. they're very memorable people. Yeah. And they're wonderful people, but I can understand how it would lead to chronic illness in some form, just because of that stress that they're putting on themselves too. And the deprioritization of themselves and their own well-being. So I know you talk about self-sabotage. What are some common forms of self-sabotage that you see either as a nurse or now as with your clients? Absolutely. So one of the primary forms of self-sabotage, especially in our current society, is perfectionism. When we are always striving for a perfect, we're going to push ourselves beyond what would have been okay and perfectly fine just as it was. So mm-hmm. we need to sort of look at how perfectionism plays perfectionism plays a role. Mm -hmm. And then cognitive dissonance is another one. And so that's a really big word for a number of different belief systems that we are, again, often taught as we're growing up. And we need to either figure out how to make them like stop sabotaging us so they can serve us. Because Mm -hmm. I really believe that emotions, beliefs, patterns, like they're not good or bad, positive or negative, they either sabotage or serve. So Mm -hmm. we need to be able to find the balance in those. So one of the examples of a cognitive dissonance that's really, really common is all or nothing thinking. Yes. Yeah. I've talked about that on the podcast a lot. So I'll link it in the show notes probably. Yeah. So you guys are all heard it before, so I don't need to go into it, but yeah, all or nothing thinking shows up in so many ways to sabotage us along the way. And then another way that we do this is taking on too much. 
And that's another really, really common one. And it's really easy for us to say yes to something because that person means a lot to us. And we think, well, if I don't do it, who are they going to get to do it? Mm -hmm. But if you ask somebody for help and they said, no, you wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You're going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go over here and figure this out. So they're going to do the same, but we just have to really work on those. So those are the three top ones, I would say, but there's a couple of others. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love all of those because I have talked about cognitive dissonance, the all or nothing thinking. And what was the third one? Uh, Taking on too much. Oh yeah, taking on too much. Yes. And I do think um, that is totally, all three of them are so... There's no scale to like measure against anyone else. And um, for all of my listeners, like you've heard me talk about introversion and extroversion. And I think even understanding yourself more helps you understand where your limits are with how much you are willing to take on socially, emotionally, physically, because it's always going to vary just based on your own personal um, preferences and just your DNA and hard wiring and whatnot. So getting to know yourself is I'm sure key in everything that you do in your business. Am I agreed? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Awareness is always the first step because yep. <laughs> it allows you to name it and be like, okay, so this is what, what's mm-hmm. holding me back right now. Cool. So that you can like bring it along with you. Mm-hmm. So a clear example of that, like the awareness and why that made such a big difference is when I was choosing to change my name, mm-hmm. I, put on the brakes for a second. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, my entire business is branded Heather Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> like the website, the social media, all of the media releases, all of the other podcasts I've done, all of the emails and all of the things, like it's all got yeah. my name on it. And I was just mm-hmm. like, there are just so many things to fix. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so then I looked at which of the three core fears was really holding me back. Yeah. And once I was able to name it and I was like, Oh, it's this one that I was like, yeah. cool. Okay. No worries. Here we go. Here are my processes to manage that core fear. So yeah. by naming it, it eliminates the abstractness of it. And then you're yeah. able to just be like, okay, so you belong in this bucket. Now that I know what you're called, here's how we're going to work with you. Yeah. And will you dive into the three core fears? Yes, I've, I have I've not talked about it on the podcast, so I would love for you to share. For sure. So the core fears are really the ways that we hold ourselves back because of the the fear emotion. So the first one is fear of loss. So we're worried that if we do this, that we're going to lose reputation, we're going to lose time, we're going to lose people, we're going to lose something around us. And so an example of this, uh, especially for maybe somebody that's looking to start a business or to go for a promotion, is if they go for it and they make those first steps, what will their family think of them? Well, what if they don't get it? And then now other people are thinking of that. Who are they going to lose? Are they going to lose the connections that they're going to have that they were in their previous role, maybe? So like when my husband moved into his new job, he was really worried, the fear of loss. Is he going to lose all of the friends that he had that he'd be now managing them? Yeah. So that's the the fear of loss is the first core fear. The fear of the process, the one that I was most worried about when I was changing my name, is mm-hmm. when we see the amount of work and effort and time and energy that's going to take, and we're like, Ugh, I don't want that. Yeah. Can I avoid that, please? So the fear of the process is really that one. And it doesn't mean that you're scared of hard work, mm-hmm. because high achiever over here, not yeah. afraid of hard work, <laughs> yeah. but 
yeah, looking at the overwhelming nature of that definitely mm-hmm. slowed me down a minute. And then fear of the outcome is the last one. And so, yes, absolutely. This is fear of success and fear of failure. But really, when you look at if the fear of the outcome is driving you, then you're going to be sabotaging yourself along the way. Because mm-hmm. if it's going to fail and you think it's going to fail, you're not going to give it your full effort. And then yeah. when it does fail, inevitably, because you didn't give it your all, you can be like, well, I didn't put that much effort into it anyway. Yes. So, again, it's the fear of loss, the fear of the process and the fear of the outcome. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for diving into that. Cause I, it was even good for me to have a refresher. I'm like, I know what the three fears are, but it's been a while. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was super beneficial for anyone who's listening. So when we're talking about those really hard pivotal moments, when we're changing or when we feel like we're burning out, when we feel that chronic stress coming for those who are feeling that way right now, where do you recommend that they start? So the very first thing that I recommend you do is to sit down right now, wherever you are. And if you're listening right now, I don't care where you are, unless it's unsafe, uh, (laughs) sit down and take five slow, deep breaths for five seconds on the inhale, five seconds on the exhale. And the research shows that this starts to stimulate our parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest side of our stress response. And so it starts to just calm down the overall level of things. And the best way to kind of visualize this is imagine the ocean and it's a storm. So the waves are like all over the place and it's super rocky. But if you sink down 30 to 40 feet below the surface, it's completely calm and totally unaffected by what's going on up there. Mm -hmm. So that's the space that we want to start to access because once you've taken those five slow deep breaths for five seconds on the inhale and five seconds on the exhale, then I invite you to look at all of the things that are on your plate right now, everything that's on your to-do list and break it down into want to do and need to do. Because when we look at it in that vision, it really helps us make sure that we are only prioritizing one thing at a time. Because I don't know if you knew this, Erin, but the word priority only became plural after the Industrial Revolution. I did not. That's so interesting. But when we were expected to multitask and be these big creators and producers Mm -hmm. in modern day capitalism, they had to prioritize more than one thing. So then it became plural. Prioritize. That's so interesting. So I encourage people to go back to the 1400s when it was one thing to prioritize. And just, yeah, I love that so much because I've even discovered, I'll use the podcast right now as an example. I have done podcast interviews in the past when I've like had multiple screens up still, or my, I forgot to turn my phone on silent or something. And it just completely wrecks my focus. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want as a interviewer, as a podcast host. And, um, just being able to be here, having a conversation with you, I feel like I am so much more benefited, but also I think I'm, we're able to, um, channel that, that energy, even though this is virtual, you know, and I think that's really cool, but I love that you just bring it back to, it's only one priority at a time. It's only doing one thing at a time and then moving on from there. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that. So I hope everyone has really enjoyed this conversation with Avery and I've learned so much. This has been so great, but Avery has a discover your self-sabotage 
quiz and I'll have her explain that a little bit and you I'll put it in the show notes so you can go take it and I'm sure it's so interesting I will be taking it so (laughs) yeah absolutely thank you uh so the quiz I think is 11 questions so it's quick and you'll be able to blast through it really quick and it just gives you some insight into the ways that you self-sabotage and so uh, cognitive dissonance is in there perfectionism is in there which is really interesting because I keep wrecking my words a little bit when I'm talking here. So yeah. perfectionism is just like, go yeah. back, but it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> bringing it forward. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So digging into that and then based on the self-sabotage style that you identify, I'll send you more information to show how those three core fears really show up in that self-sabotage style. So that way you can start to see the red flags earlier so you can start to mitigate them. Oh, that's awesome. This is so exciting for anyone. Well, everyone who's listening, please go take the quiz because I think everyone could learn a little bit more about how we self-sabotage. I think that's why it's called self-sabotage is because sometimes we don't realize that we're doing it. Most of the time we don't realize we're doing it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's part of our inner protective mechanisms. It's trying to be sneaky just to keep you safe and keep things the same. So it's Mm -hmm. like sabotaging you on the down low. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why it's hard for us to recognize. But then we get frustrated. At least for me, I get frustrated. Like, why am I not making progress? And that's usually why. It's because on the down low, there's some sabotage happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, Avery. So for anyone who's listening that wants to find you, how do they find you? Thank you. So they can find me on my website, which is becomingavery, A-V-E-R-Y.com. Or they can also go find me on Instagram, which is also becomingavery. Awesome. Perfect. And I'll link everything in the show notes. It'll be easy for you to find. But is there anything else you want to share or say before we close out? So to the person listening right now, I just want to remind you that always do your best doesn't mean always be perfect. Your best is going to change moment to moment, day to day, experience to experience. So just remember that no one is expecting perfectionism from you and neither should you. So always do your best doesn't mean always be perfect. Oh, thank you so much. That is beautiful. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening and have a great week. Did you know your personality will affect how you make time for yourself? I've created a free quiz for you to take to see where you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum. Go to erinwoodruffcoaching.com and take the quiz today.